0: What I want to do a little bit differently, we've done this before, but I need, uh, I guess the fellas on the couch can have this, and then you guys can have this one, oh, no. and then yeah, it's a concordance. Uh, you guys back there, do you guys all have phones that have Bible apps on them? Yeah? Do you have a Bible app on your phone? Do you have a Bible app on your phone? Okay. Alright, so I wanted to do a little study on the word faith. So look up the word faith. It works, that works like a dictionary. It's alphabetical. So find the word faith. So this will be kind of a combination of what we're talking about on Sunday mornings and what we're talking about in this class on Wednesday nights. So yeah, find faith in there. If you have a Bible, app on your phone, just look up the word faith and then wait. So my reason for wanting to do this, uh, I think the word faith hopefully will help us get to uh, an element of discipline that I, wanna, I want us to start talking about. So based on the principles of Bible study we've been talking about on Sunday mornings, what would be a good place to start with the word faith, do you think? What are some of the principles of the Bible that we've been talking about? The first mention, thank you, Brendan. Where is the first mention of the word faith? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Alright, so if you don't have a concordance in your hand, look up in your Bible, Deuteronomy. Is it 3230? Or 3220? 3220? What does? Okay. Alright, so before we even get into the verse, I thought it was very interesting. When I looked up the word faith, um, the first time it shows up is Deuteronomy chapter 32. And I had to check it on my phone as well as my computer because I thought for sure it was in there before Deuteronomy. Think about all the people that are in the book of Genesis that are faithful people that had faith And the word faith is not mentioned until Deuteronomy 32. I thought that was crazy. By the time you get to the end of Deuteronomy, you're like, I don't know, 2,500 years into human history before God records the word faith in the Bible. Now there's... Even faithful is only in there twice before faith. Once in Numbers and once in Deuteronomy. Yeah. So there's a verse that I thought said about Abraham that he had faith and God counted to him to righteousness. No, it's, it's, I think it's in Genesis, but it's, Abraham believed God, and he counted him to faithful, or counted him as righteousness or something. Uh, it might be in Hebrews, I don't remember, but. Anyways, my point is, there's people in the Bible who had faith before the book of Deuteronomy, but I thought it was interesting that the first time that the word faith shows up is in Deuteronomy 32, almost at the very end. So, if you know anything about what's happening in Deuteronomy, what's going on in the book of Deuteronomy? good? Okay. What's happening in the book of Deuteronomy historically? Like, what's going on in the book? What is Deuteronomy? What's the root word of Deuteronomy? If you're playing Fortnite with your friend, you might play what kind of match if there's only two of you? Battle Royale. Duos. Yeah, Deuteronomy. It's like two. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. So, if you were to look up the Ten Commandments, they show up Twice in the Bible. Once in Exodus and once in Deuteronomy, okay? So when God brings Israel out of captivity in Egypt in the book of Exodus, right? That's them exiting out of Egypt. Then they wander around for 40 years. That's Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those four books is them wandering in the wilderness, okay? And then Deuteronomy, it's like one last time right before Moses dies... He gives the law to them. He kind of gives them this final charge to get them ready to go into the promised land. And then Joshua chapter one, they cross over the Jordan River and they enter the promised land, and then like Joshua six is the battle of Jericho, and they start fighting and taking the promised land. Okay? So Deuteronomy, historically, what's happening is uh it's the nation of of Israel and they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. Okay. So Deuteronomy thirty two twenty. Somebody read that loud. What? Somebody read Deuteronomy 32:20. Like okay, if you were to go back and get a little bit of a running start, uh, he that he in that verse is God, and so because of the problems that Israel had. So like, if you look in verse 16, they provoked him to jealousy, that's God, with strange gods, with abominations, provoked him, they, provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up from your fathers, uh, or whom your fathers feared not. It goes on, so God is like, really frustrated with the nation of Israel, right? They spend all this time wandering in the wilderness because they didn't have faith to go in and conquer the promised land the first chance they had. And now they spent all this time and Moses is kind of wrapping everything up at the end of his life. And he's like recounting this and he's saying that God is hiding his face from them, from Israel, uh, because he sees what their end will be for they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. Okay, so the first mention of the word faith is like the children of Israel are lacking faith. Okay? The next mention those of you guys with concordances, Amy, where's the next mention of the word faith the second time it shows up? Um, they have... Oh, <laughs> uh, Habakkuk 2-4. That they say. Yeah. <laughs> Habakkuk. Somebody go go to Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. This is where you guys got to know the books of your Bible right here. Got to find Habakkuk. So it's Habakkuk 2.4. And this is it in the Old Testament, you guys. This is, it's only in the Old Testament two times. Think about all the stuff you know about faith in the Old Testament. The word faith is only in the Old Testament two times. It's crazy. Did I did. like... I know. I know. I'm just saying it's interesting though. Faith is like such an important part of our Christian life. And it, it still was an important part of their life. But uh, God only mentioned it two times. It's just interesting. I mean, the word believe and the word trust and the word obey, obey all those things are in there. Right. Right. Well, they started to have faith. They started to have faith then too. Well, the Bible says you might not believe that more than the. We should believe the word of God. This word of God more than the audible voice of God. Lots of people did not believe it even when they heard it. But either way, it's God's word. Whether He's speaking it out loud. Or he's written it down for us. Alright, so somebody read Habakkuk 2.4. Did everybody find Habakkuk 2.4? Uh, okay. So this time, I think we used this verse when we had our faith-to-faith um, vision conference, like in 2019, I think. This was like one of the secondary verses that we used. Uh, it's not even our faith. It's not even people's faith. It's his faith. Okay? So... Um, so I want you guys to just see the the only two examples in the Old Testament are not. Are, one of them is a negative, like they don't even have any faith, and one of them is talking about his faith, God's faith. Okay, so um, when is the next time? The third time it shows up, which is the first time in the New Testament. Amy, where's the third time? First time in the New Testament. What? Uh, Matthew Matthew Matthew. Six, uh, six thirty. Yeah, Matthew six. Yeah, thirty. What do you not know what it means? It was M apostrophe T, so I like
1: was kind of mad at you. M apostrophe
0: T? <laughs> Just a, a Interesting. Matthew. Why not M-A-T-T? There's plenty of space, though. I've never seen a like that. So yeah, confused. that was a little bit weird. So, yeah, it's Matthew chapter 6. So, go to Matthew chapter 6. Wherefore, so. So. Is is All right. So when you think of the word faith, what like verses come to your mind? They may have a verse that they think of, not one of the ones that we already read? Because I know you all weren't uh, thinking of those three verses. Peter walking on water, that's one we'll look at in just a minute. What else? Verse? Yeah, what verses or what stories or what passages or what chapters do you think of when you think of the word faith? There's a couple that... Huh? Okay, maybe. Faith. Yeah. He that believeth on him. 10, 9. Yes, that's another one, part of the Romans Road. Acts 26. What? What does that say? Oh, are you just Are you just cheating? You cheater! I believe you. It's a good one. What does it say? Okay. Yeah, I definitely would not have thought of that, you know, as the, the two main verses I thought of. Oh, hold on. Brenda has one. Faith as a grain of mustard seed. You guys know that parable? The what? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know if it uses the word faith or not, and I don't remember if it's the same passage. Uh, the first one I thought of was faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You guys know that verse? It's Romans 10. I don't know if I even wrote it down. Yeah, I didn't even write it down on my notes. I think it's Romans 10. But the main passage, the main chapter on faith is what? What chapter is like the, it's called, we call it the Hall of Fame of Faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit at camp. Hebrews 11, that's your, that's your Hall of Fame of Faith. So I'll give you guys some stats so you don't have to count them all up, uh, since we only have two concordances. Uh the word faith is in the Bible a total of 247 times. Uh two times in the Old Testament which means 200 whoops not 200 245 times in the New Testament. Out of that 245 24 times it's in Hebrews 11. Okay, it's I think there's only like 40 verses in Hebrews 11. It's in there 24 different times. Um so it's used a lot in that, in that particular passage, and we're gonna get there in just a minute, but, uh, so while you guys are here in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking, if you have a Bible that has red letters in it, this is Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 6, and he's addressing like, uh, this idea of, if you start in verse 25, it says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on, it, uh, it is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air; for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much, are, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by uh, taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Okay, so he's going over all this stuff and he's talking about animals and God provides for the birds. Aren't we better than birds? Can't we trust that God's going to provide for us the things that we need? Uh, he talks about um, the lilies of the of the field. They don't like they're, you know, they don't. Toil, they don't, like, they they don't work to grow, they just, God provides them what they need, right? They get the water that they need, they get the sunlight that they need, and God takes care of them. Aren't we better than lilies? Aren't we better than the fowl of the air? Then he gets into verse 30, which, uh, Lucas already read, but it says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So he's reminding us, like, uh, No. No. The the grass is going to die, right? I mean, the sun comes out in the heat of the summertime. The grass gets all crunchy and dies, right? A lot of it, unless you water it or it's in the shade or something. But, uh, you know, there's a natural cycle to things in life, right? There's the natural cycle of life for, for animals, for humans. So God's saying, like, all, all of this stuff is going gonna, is gonna to go, right? But God's going to take care of us. Then look at verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying... What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. This is the verse right here, the key verse of this whole passage. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And then it says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Okay, so uh, he's giving us like some some peace or trying to give us some peace about hey listen God's going to take care of your needs okay S- like put your attention set your uh, what does it say seek ye first the kingdom of God right make the kingdom of God make eternal things your priority it talks about that in Colossians chapter 3 right uh, to seek after uh oh my gosh I'm blanking on the verse now what is uh, things no, hold on. Now I gotta look it up. I'm blanking on it. What happens when you don't put the notes in your or the verses in your notes? I think it's Colossians 3:23, isn't it? I oh, know that's not that's not the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colossians 3:2. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Okay. God's not saying like just disregard all your earthly needs, right? I mean, the Bible also tells me as a as a husband, as a father, I'm supposed to provide for my family. Right? That's that's something that's a priority. So he's not saying like just leave it all up to chance and God's gonna take care of it. He's saying seek first the kingdom of God. Like make that the priority. Okay? And all these other things, like the little things like how we're gonna survive, how we're gonna eat, how we're gonna live, God's gonna take care of those things. But for us we need to be setting our affection uh on things above or seeking first the kingdom of God. All right, flip to um Matthew chapter 8, just like one page. Maybe it's on the same page for you. Matthew 8, verse 26. So there's a total of four times that 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 the phrase, O ye of little faith, shows up. Uh that's the we're gonna look at those four things and we're gonna run out of time because we're getting close already. Alright, Matthew chapter eight, verse twenty six. Uh and he said unto them, Why are you fearful? Oh hold on, let me start over. Verse twenty three. Uh, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he, Jesus, was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Alright, uh, I don't have time to expand on that too much, but you guys have heard that story probably before. Uh, go to Matthew 14, verse 31. This is the, Lucas, I think you're the one that said this about Peter walking on the water. Okay, so Matthew 8 comes before Matthew 14, right? So chronologically, that story we just read in Matthew 8, okay, put yourself in their position, okay, think about, it. you're on a boat, in the middle of the sea, and there's a storm, and Jesus is sleeping, and these guys are all fishermen, so I don't think they would have been easily scared of a small storm, okay, so this is probably a decent sized storm, maybe it's a hurricane, I have no idea. But the storm scares them so much that they come running down to the, in the bottom of the boat to say, Jesus, like, we're freaking out up here. And Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. And he gets up and he, gets, he tells the sea to calm down, okay? That's Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 14, I don't know how long exactly it was, but we know Jesus' earthly ministry was only three and a half years long. So, you know, you could estimate probably sometime within the next year, this, uh, this passage hits in Matthew chapter 14. Uh, verse... Let's start in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship, and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Okay, so they think a ghost is walking towards them. Uh, Jesus is like, hey guys, it's just me. But there's a storm going on, and there's Jesus walking through the middle of the storm on top of the water. All right, verse 28. And Peter said unto him, or no, sorry. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Okay, Maybe the, like one of the craziest miracles, at least from like the human perspective, this—he's literally walking on water in the middle of a storm, okay, towards Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to uh, and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, "Lord, save me!" And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, "O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt?" Okay, so. Think about if you're Peter, Peter was on the boat in Matthew chapter eight, right? He's one of the ones that goes and wakes Jesus up to have him come up. He sees Jesus calm the storms, right? Just by speaking to the, to the wind and the water to calm down and it calms down. And then a short time, months later, maybe a year later, uh, Jesus is walking on the water in the middle of the storm, right? Which I mean, you've already seen him control the storm. Now he's walking on water. And then he, then Peter, he, Peter wants to do it, so Jesus says, okay, come on, try. And he does, he's walking on the water, right? All of that's happening, but then he looks, starts looking around and he sees that the wind is going crazy, yeah, and it says that, and verse 30 it says, he was afraid, and so he started to sink, right? He was losing, uh, his faith in who Jesus was. But he had just, not that long ago, seen Jesus calm the storms down, right? Just by speaking to them. And right then he was seeing Jesus walking on the water. So, I mean, he had to have faith for sure. But how much faith really is it? Going back to Hallie's point, he—I mean—they believed that he was the Son of God, right? Jesus told them that he was the Son of God. They were his disciples. They certainly believed that he was the Son of God. And he's right there, physically with them. They've been with him for months or years at this point, right? So they had a lot of faith in. Them. They'd seen him do things before that were miraculous. But when Peter's out there on the water, when like, it gets a little bit more personal. Maybe he saw somebody, you know, get raised from the dead. Maybe he saw Jesus feed the 5,000. Not maybe. He did see these things. He sees Jesus heal a blind man. He sees Jesus heal a sick person. He sees Jesus doing all these different things. Uh, but Peter had never really been, like, the object of one of the, the lessons, right? He'd, Peter had never been one of the the recipient of a miracle of Jesus. Until this, and he's walking on the water miraculously, and all of a sudden he starts like looking around and seeing, uh, this is a little bit crazy, right? There's a storm going on and I'm walking on the water. And so he starts to lose the faith. He had Jesus standing in front of him. I don't know how far away he was, but definitely close enough that he could see him. And it's still the faith, his faith was tested and he started to slip. And of course Jesus comes and saves him and he kind of calls him out. Oh thou of little faith, right? Wherefore didst thou doubt? Okay. Uh, we don't see Jesus physically, right? But even people who spend, I mean, even if you guys have spent a lot of time with Jesus and you know him and you know you can trust him and you know you can trust his word, sometimes it still can be difficult to like, r- until you've experienced it, uh, you know, for yourself. Like maybe you've seen God do something miraculous in somebody else's life or maybe you've seen, uh, you know, other things happen, but maybe it's never happened to you. Um, it can be a little bit difficult like okay i've seen some cool things but god's never done anything specifically for me right and so he does this for peter even still though his faith was like a little bit shaky and so uh the reason i'm bringing all this up and we're not gonna have time to look at these other there's two other times uh or no there's three other times that this phrase uh oh ye of little faith shows up in uh in the gospels if you're taking notes they are uh matthew 16:8 and luke 12:28 are the other two so we looked at three already, and those are the other two. Uh, but anyways, so he has, he has faith enough to get out of the boat, he has faith to walk on the water, and then he starts losing it as he, and he starts sinking, yes? I came up with a theory not that all the disciples have dementia. <laughs> all the disciples have dementia because they keep forgetting all the miraculous things he does? Uh, so do we. That's kind of the point, is, I mean, Israel, Israel did the same thing. God would deliver them miraculously. They walked through the Red Sea on dry land. And then like a couple days later they're griping about they want to go back to Egypt because there's no water. It's like, "Well, dude, Jesus just or God just parted the Red Sea for you. You walked across on dry land. Surely God can provide you some water." And he does. And then they start complaining about food, and he provides that. So, yeah, the point is God is always there. God is always available. God I mean, it's it's ultimately it's up to us to have the faith um it gets more severe I don't know that I would say that everyone has dementia. I just think that sometimes life throws itself at you in such a way that uh, it causes you to kind of panic, you know? Like, uh, I think I'm a pretty good driver, but when there's, like, something crazy happening, like an accident's about to happen, you never know exactly how you're going to react. Like, you're just reacting in the moment. It's kind of the same thing with Christianity. Like, I mean, I, I have faith that God can do miraculous things, but then, like, when something bad happens, sometimes my first thought isn't always, oh, God could fix this, or God could take care of this. You know, like, sometimes it's, it's difficult when you're in the moment. Right. Okay, so, you already have some homework, but I have another piece of homework for you. It's easy, it's easy. Just, it's something else to think about. Okay, so... We did not get nearly as far as I wanted to in these faith things. We played too many games tonight, or too long of games. Uh, but I want you guys to think about the connection between faith and discipline. Don't give me your answers now. But what? Just think about like what is the connection between faith and discipline? Uh, I've got a list of things here. We'll talk about them next week, but um, so like what? How does having faith or not having faith? How does that help you with having discipline, or how does it cause you not to have discipline? Um, How do how are those things connected to each other, and how can us having more faith? How can that help us be more disciplined, or how can our lack of faith cause us problems if we're trying to be more disciplined? And I'm talking about discipline in the sense of like, having control over our minds and our bodies and like, you know, kind of making our flesh submit to the things that our mind wants it to do rather than the things that it wants to do, right? Like, maybe you're, maybe you're super tired and you just want to go to bed, but you know you haven't read your Bible. Or maybe it's the reverse, maybe you have to get up early, and it's like, well I need to get up early and read before I go to school, but I'm really tired, my flesh wants to stay in bed. Like, it takes discipline to say, no, I know my flesh wants to stay in bed, but my discipline to get up and have a relationship with the Lord this morning before I go to school or work or wherever is more important than that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna force myself to get up and read my Bible, get up and pray because, uh, you're exercising discipline. So how does faith correlate to discipline in that context? So that plus the other homework which was to th- think about and how you can be intentional in your relationship with the Lord. Does anybody have any questions about the homework? Are they just supposed to think about the thing or start doing the thing? Yeah, yeah, both. And I know school starts this week for all of you guys, so you should try to work on this homework stuff before school starts. This school book is really cool. Huh? This book is really cool. Yeah. It belongs in our library, so if you ever want to look at it again, it's in the library. I just have the oldest of the pages. Yeah. So school starts this week for all of you guys, right? Does everyone start school on Monday? Tuesday. Or Tuesday? You start it this week? You start Tuesday? Shane, when do you start school? When do you start school? Monday? 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 You're Monday. You start tomorrow? Oh my gosh! You guys are homeschooled, yeah? When does your school start? Tuesday? Okay, so all of you guys are starting school in the next week. So get the home, get this homework done before school starts. Think about it like starting tonight. I thought you said you start Tuesday. Uh, it's like me, the teacher, but for big kids. <laughs> okay, let's pray, and then we'll get out of here. Dear God, thank you for this evening. God, thank you for this uh, study on discipline, and uh, God, this word study on the word faith. I just pray, God, that you would uh, be with everyone this week as they uh, get ready to start school, and God, I know that that's uh, not always the most exciting time, but God, I pray that uh, it would just be uh, a good start to the year, God, that uh, that the decisions and the zealousness that uh, they've come back from camp with, God, that that would just continue in their lives and that uh, they can make a, a, an impact in their schools. And, God, I pray for this this homework assignment that I've given them tonight. God, I pray that they would uh, consider and think about these things and try to start implementing and, and being intentional about the way that they're applying the things that they're learning. God, I pray the same thing for for me. God, I pray that I would be um, more intentional and more disciplined about the things that I'm teaching, God. And uh, I just pray that you would help us all to uh, have a good week, God. And as we get kind of started in a new routine, God, I pray that um, spending time with you and your word and prayer would be part of that routine. And so I just uh, ask your blessing on the rest of our evening and the rest of uh, their summer before they start school. In Jesus' name, Amen.